Does everybody know what time it is? It's time for you to quit bossing me around, Dad. That's right. It's grunt work. Welcome, everybody, to Grunt Work, the all-inclusive podcast about the TV show Home Improvement. I'm sorry you don't get a much more intricate uh, intro the way that Truman does them, but hey, it's my episode. Uh, I am Landon, fuck you, Dad Solano, joined always by Truman, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday caps. That's my favorite day of the week. <laughs> the weekend's finally over, I can concentrate on getting back to work. Oh, <laughs> you and nobody else. Yep. Truman, it's good to see you, buddy. It's good to see you as well. And, you know, I, I, you say that your intros aren't as intricate as mine. I think that your intros are better. They're dependable. They are traditional. <laughs> they, are, they are concise and well-formed. Whereas mine, I'm on the train coming over here, and I'm like, how can I just be dumb? How can I just, how can I take what people would expect me to do and subvert that and in the process completely break the task that I'm trying to do? <laughs> I don't think you break it at all. I think you elevate it to another level. You think that me talk singing uh, Thin Lizzy really, really takes our show to the next level? Yes, that Dungeons and Dragons one that you did. That was great. And the fact that the mics weren't plugged in when I did it uh, also. Oh, yes. Well, it gave it an extra level uh, level of that, that, uh, authenticity. That's why, you got, that's why I got two kiss noises and not yes. just one kiss noise. <laughs> Exactly. You're blowing kisses to my goofers. <laughs> Landon, how are you? Oh, I'm uh, I'm doing all right. Yes, yeah? uh, I'm just happy to be back. It's season two. Yes, um, season two, episode still, two. Still swelteringly hot in your apartment <laughs> because is. the seasons in LA do not change. They don't. Uh, I am really waiting for it to. You know what? This apartment uh, will go from being a sweat lodge to an ice box uh, <laughs> on a dime. So prepare next week for uh, bring your scarf. I, you know what, I think that uh, it could be snowing outside and this apartment would still be a sweat box. <laughs> I think that one day people are going to discover that this apartment is a revolutionary source of thermal energy and they could power all of Los Angeles <laughs> off of just the heat that is generated by the two of us in here uh, making jokes. Because jokes, jokes and goofers run hot. Do, do jokes generate energy? Yes, they do. Energy mm-hmm. cannot be created or destroyed unless someone is slipping on a banana peel Fair. or wearing like those <laughs> fake glasses with a mustache and a big nose or just uh, just honking a uh, a clown horn. Okay, so you know? we have completely debunked uh, Monsters University and Monsters Inc. Uh, laughter does not create energy. False. You know, and as a result of these findings, Monsters University is going to lose its accreditation, which means that Mike <laughs> Wazowski and, uh, and, and that other guy... Uh, are both, I mean, they're out on their asses now. They have to go back to Monster Community College. Uh, and we've established that Binford exists within the Pixar universe, so how does that affect our home improvement universe? Well, maybe, I don't know, I would assume that maybe Binford is heavily subsidizing Monsters University, right? I mean, it seems like they would be, you know, they're trying to get people coming out of there yeah. who are going to go right into that uh, Binford pipeline. <laughs> Is Binford run by monsters? Who really knows? Who really knows? Or are all businesses run by monsters? Oh. Topical. Commentary. <laughs> well, that's that's it for us, folks. Thank you so much. Uh, you can like and subscribe at the website. Uh, so, yes. season two. Yes. Episode two. Indeed. Called The Rights and Wrongs of Passage. Ooh. A title like that probably makes you wonder, hey, what happened in this episode? Well, you're in luck because yeah. I'm going to describe it to you fairly concisely. I am going to call you out for calling out the episode when I told you the name of the title name of the title. When I told you the title of this episode... The title of the name. You said, I'm calling it now. It's about kissing. I thought it was, man. I thought that we were going to get that kiss. Yeah. 
that we've been waiting for since the last episode yeah. between uh, Brad and Jenny Zadarsky. And Landon, I was half right. Because this episode is about Brad, and it's it about is. his rites of passage. But it just wasn't a Jenny Sidarsky, not strictly involved. It's true. However, let's point out, in season one, this time last season, Brad was a non-entity. He wasn't cute. <laughs> he wasn't He wasn't swifty. He was just ordinary. And now... Uh, season Episode three of season one was the big boys episode, though, where we finally got to like get to know them, because that was the... Ah, yes, with with Sir Larry. Sir Larry. Oh, that was that was episode three, not two. That was episode three. Yeah. Episode two was Mark breaking the torque wrench and hiding in the tree. That's right. But how many things don't we remember from our lives? <laughs> anyway. Give, so, us, give us the rundown of this week. I'm glad that you asked, because I'm well prepared to do that. So, folks, Tim has bought some tickets for him and the boys to see a good old-fashioned monster truck show. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of mud, a lot of, a lot of chaos, a lot of monster trucks. I haven't been to one myself. I have. I have issues. Keep going. Okay. Well, when a group of older boys at school start encouraging Brad to pull pranks and run afoul of the police, Tim and Jill ground him, and Tim forbids him to go see the monster trucks. So in response to this, Brad gets even more mouthy and rebellious, talking back to Tim in ways that we've never seen before. Tim is thrown off by this. We're thrown off by this. Everyone's wondering, how is this household going to get back into, into order? Uh, Tim takes this problem to Wilson, who explains to Tim that Brad is acting out because he's caught between adolescence and manhood, which is a situation that tribal societies avoided by inducting boys with rights of manhood as soon as they started uh, acting out. So in response, Tim lets Brad use a blowtorch while working on their hot rod in the garage and anoints him with motor oil to celebrate his transformation into the quote-unquote man-child. <laughs> uh, meanwhile... <laughs> Thank you, quote robot. <laughs> Quobot. Quobot. Uh, meanwhile, Tim's mouth gets him into some trouble on, uh, tool time, we, we, because for some reason they've had a local Scotsman come on to the, uh, show to promote the upcoming Highland Games, and, uh... uh, uh not the Highlander Games. No, no. Which is very different, where someone always loses their head. Yeah. <laughs> and not because of the good times. <laughs> uh... So he's talking about the Highland Games, he talks about the Caber Toss, which is where Scottish dudes in kilts pick up a gigantic log and throw it. Uh, Tim, in true Tim fashion, suggests that it can't be all that hard, which leads to him being challenged to toss a caber. So he and uh, Al go to the Highland Games in uh, Al's lovingly restored 1984 Mercury Marquis station wagon. Uh, (laughs) Tim picks up a caber to try and toss it and instead runs all over the field, uh, scattering dancing girls and sheep and causing all kinds of havoc until he drops the caber straight through Al's car. (laughs) Da-da-da-da-da-da-beep! Uh... (laughs) That's how you know that your comic timing is good, is when when I can just sing the dumb song and we both do a thing (laughs) one beat after. Anyway, so that's the episode. So a little bit of uh, Scottish hijinks from Tim, a lot of scenes with Tim in a kilt, and uh, Tim and Brad having some real male bonding and uh, trying to get this kid on the right track. Indeed. Uh, I've noticed a uh, trend this season. Yes. uh, In two episodes. (laughs) Of Tim doing uh, semi-racist voices? He did Japanese in the last one. He did do Japanese in the last one, and it wasn't okay. It was not okay. And then he does uh, Scottish in this one. Okay. Point of order, though. Is it really racist to to do a Scottish accent when you're already a white dude who's... Okay, racist maybe not is... Culturally culturally insensitive. In stereo with this. (laughs) Culturally in stereo. Yeah. (laughs) Where available. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, yes, it... Look, so... They have this this Scottish guy, Angus McLeod, on the show, yes. who comes out in full Scotsman regalia to promote the Highland Games. Played by Will Nye, not a famous character actor. Will Nye, the Scottish guy. 
Uh, so you have that's culturally insensitive <laughs> to scientists. No, no, it's it's dis- descriptive of what he is. <laughs> very, very true. Uh, but they have Angus McLeod on the show, and Tim is just a dick to him from the second yes. he gets out there. He's making fun of his kilt as a skirt. Oh my god, they milk this kilt joke as though, folks. Look, I know the '90s were a simpler time. We didn't have internet. All we had was Encarta. But even then. <laughs> Tim is almost 40. You've got to know that A, Scotland exists, and B, the men there traditionally wear kilts, and they're not skirts. So, so it's low-hanging fruit. It's low-hanging fruit, and he's just reaching up under the skirt to grab it. Yes. Uh, the kilt. The, oh, well, I'm, I will I'm so thank rude. you to be culturally in stereo on this. <laughs> well, then you have to say the same thing that I do and have it be really uh, well-adjusted and nice. So... <laughs> They have Angus McLeod come out. He's calling him Agnes McLeod instead of Angus. Oh, the skirt fooled me. Uh-huh. I just He's being really mean to his yeah. guest. So I'm not going to say, okay, I'm not going to say racist, but he's definitely A, culturally insensitive, and B, just generally mean to a dude yeah. who took time out of his life to show up on their rinky-dink little show. Tim is, is taking a really interesting stance this season. Uh, against all humanity. <laughs> kind of. And yes. humanity, too. <laughs> humanity, is that what you said? I said Woe Manatee, Woe which Manatee. is the name of my new show on uh, the uh, Nature Channel, because <laughs> uh, I couldn't think of Animal yeah. Planet off the dome for that <laughs> joke. Oh, the Woe Manatee. I'm leaving that huge pause after that joke. <laughs> I've completely lost track of where we is are. Is that what they say when the, the gigantic manatee catches on fire and is crashing? <laughs> oh, the Woe Manatee. I've uh, always... Only for the female manatee, so... I've been looking for an opportunity to yell, Oh, the true manatee, at some point in my life. <laughs> I've never. I have Those not- have to be your last words. Oh, they've got to be. So I have to die on a crashing zeppelin, which is a hard way to die in the 21st century. Yeah, I don't know. I think whispering it, you're on your deathbed, and you're like, "Oh, the true manatee. Oh, the true manatee. Yes, exactly. And then all the newspaper reporters are trying to figure out what it meant, even though it's yeah, then- pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> it just leads into a huge existential uh, Citizen Kane ish movie. And in the end, Ooh, a movie. <laughs> in the end, they Sorry, find guys, out go through puberty. That, well, okay, well, listen, Landon, let's get yeah. you into some, some uh, rite of passage rituals here. I want uh, some wrongs of patch, pad, wrong patches. I want some wrong patches. You some, some wrong pad tie? <laughs> oh my god, I'm starving, and that sounds delicious. I, I, I am too. Typically we have a burrito before this, but that rite of passage didn't happen today. <laughs> uh, and then there's another rite of passage that happened shortly thereafter. We'll go into the deep dive of this episode now, and ignore that fart joke. <laughs> really hard to ignore things when you call attention to them. That's why you pay no attention to the shit joke behind the curtain. That's typically when when, when ninjas are trying to like blend in with the surroundings. They typically say, <laughs> look at me, you can't see me. Look how well I'm hiding. Maybe they uh, should change their techniques. All I'm saying. I think they. I think that if they did that, we would find far fewer stealthy assassinations. <laughs> um, uh, there's one moment in this opening scene I want to draw attention to. One moment uh, in time. One moment in time. Uh, I don't know what that was. <laughs> They, the <laughs> Angus uh, approaches the, the audience at one point. Yeah. And as he does, he passes by our two favorite producers, Jerry and I can't remember the name we gave the girl. Sloan? Sloan? I'm, I Jerry like that Sloan. name. Let's Jerry give him new Sloan. names every time. Okay. Uh, Jerry, who busted out some fantastic dance moves on Stereotypical. Oh, oh who could forget? Who, who could, could forget, forget that? We're, st- uh, we're still mired in season one. He, we, can't, we can never leave it behind. He was like popping tums uh, <laughs> while he was watching the monitor on this one, uh, and I just found that to be a very interesting little um, 
background story that Jerry's uh, going with here. So, so the thing that gives him indigestion isn't the host of his show going on constant tirades. <laughs> it's when the episode's going completely according to plan. It's when it's when the guest addresses the audience as he should be. Like, like Jerry's popping times. It's like, oh man, we've been on the air for five minutes and Tim hasn't gone on a tirade. Oh, geez, this is what people <laughs> tune in for. Oh man. Uh, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, I think I thought it was interesting too. I also thought it was interesting that. As Angus approaches the audience and is talking to them about what the kyber toss is, the camera frames in the monitor yeah. with Tim's face on it in the background. That Jerry's watching. Yeah, to yeah. get to get Tim's uh, response, which he looks into the camera, which yeah. means him looking straight out of the monitor into our... Yes. Watch, stream this one on Hulu. It's a good little camera setup. I give it, I give it the utmost snaps. It's really <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I, anyhow, I think that it, uh, it starts to build a little world for our Jerry uh, universe that yes. we're creating. Yes. Um, the, the Jerry Jerry is a bizarro producer who is only happy when <laughs> everything is going wrong. <laughs> Which means Perhaps. that he would be in paradise if he was the producing Megan Kelly's new morning show. <laughs> Topical reference, because that show's definitely going to be on for a long time. Um, uh, if Megan Kelly starts uh, exploding things on her show, though, maybe change you know i feel like she yeah she and tim taylor tim allen would have plenty to talk my voice about. was like a little balloon that flew out the window uh, you gotta stop huffing uh huffing helium as we do this uh so also the first thing like the mm-hmm. very start of this episode two episodes in a row start with a cold open i think that's going to become the norm now well so does that mean if if in another in a later season they go straight to the opening credits i'm going to be freaked out by that then? yes i do think I, that's the case i need consistency <laughs> I, I am I am I when we push play are we going to hear the song or are we going to see a tool time segment either is fine but just yeah. stick with it it's parenting 101 yeah <laughs> you've got to anoint your show into the rituals of of popular primetime showhood <laughs> we're there on the set of tool time first thing we see is uh Tim in the middle of cleaning up a mess that he made when he closed a window on Al's head to clarify Al is cleaning up Al is cleaning up Tim is explaining that they're cleaning it up when really Al is doing the work yes uh, With no uh, no visible um, gashes on Al's forehead at all. No, not at all. So apparently, between last week's episode where uh, Dwayne from K and B Construction had a burning rivet go through his skull, uh, or through his his hat and onto his skull, uh, and Al getting his head put through a plate glass window, apparently um, there is no causation for injury on this uh, series. Uh, well, scalps were tougher in the nineties, Landon. That's what people don't know. As I've said. <laughs> Crime rates were higher back then, so people kind of evolved tougher scalps to just bounce the bullets right off. Fair. All right. My Yeah, my favorite superhero is Skull Man. Um, <laughs> well, technically everyone is Skull Man or Skull Woman. True. It would be more impressive, no Skull Man, whose, whose face and, and head is just this floppy mass on top yeah. of his neck. <laughs> well, he wears a bulletproof vest that just has arrows pointing towards his head. It's like, shoot me in the head, I dare you. And it's in his because his head is so bendy, like, the bullets just, like, get absorbed by it. And, <laughs> and then he spits them back out through his mouth, uh, like, the mask. True. Or he absorbs them for their nutrients. Ooh, I like that. But he hates the Teflon-coated ones. They go right through them. <laughs> oh, that was a weak high five. Could, could, could we have picked up less? Because that was the stealthiest of high fives. <laughs> I'm going to trust you to put in a really nice, snappy high five noise there. I'm going, I'm going to get the sound of, of Indiana Jones cracking his whip. <laughs> Uh, oh my god. So, okay, we've gotten through the first point yeah. six seconds of the show. Uh, I want to talk about the theme song for a second. Yes. Okay, well, I definitely picked up this week that it was much more rockier than last season. Here's what I noticed. Mark and Randy get new backgrounds 
uh, you know, Randy is swinging from the tire swing in the back. And, right into the camera. Yep, and Mark gets uh, splooched out <laughs> from uh, a cult canister. As, well, as as all people in, <laughs> sure. do. Yeah, in, it's, it's, a, it's a big out. That's where life comes um, from. Brad. Turning on the TV. Gets the same, and I'm wondering if it's some sort of um, commentary, perhaps, of Brad uh, taking living in the shadow of his father. He's never able to escape it, and that he's destined to follow in his father's footsteps, unlike the other two kids who are able to swing free and... Uh, and caulk on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rock out with their caulk out? <laughs> uh, it just it's, uh, painted a very morose picture to me. Uh, much as Brad is... is changing and evolving before our very eyes on the show in the yep. opening credits he is frozen in time like <laughs> like a little boy trapped in amber well that's the thing it's not the same footage they re-recorded it they were like this bit with you turning on the black and white tv is so good we gotta get that again <laughs> oh my god also black and white tvs existed in the 90s I would wager they still exist now. Ooh. It's just the same TVs that have not yet been left on the curb for the garbage man. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Okay, so the, the theme song leads us into uh, the kitchen, which is where we learn Tim comes home with tickets to the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday Monster Truck Rally. Which features Truckenstein versus Fordzilla at the Thunderdome. Also, I don't believe that those are real. Oh, oh! God forbid they should be inaccurate with their monster truck gags. <laughs> I, well, well, what what about it? Like, is it like Truckenstein is just too crazy of a name for you to believe is real? <laughs> like, no, they would have a lot more refinement and class in naming their monster trucks. Uh, I just, uh, I just find it interesting that they wouldn't pick. Oh, are you being proven wrong by the internet right now? Fordzilla exists. Wait, is Ford still is Fordzilla still around? Because um, Wilson was saying that Fordzilla's time had come and gone, but. Uh, perhaps God is fallible, on monster trucks at least. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find a Wikipedia page for it. I'm just finding a bunch of YouTube videos. What? Well, there, there's a chance that maybe not every monster truck has its own Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, tr- look, Wikipedia oh. isn't perfect. I'll be the first one to tell you. Case in point, monster truck section. <laughs> Fair. T- they've at least got a they've at least got a page for the Widowmaker, right? <laughs> Like, I don't even follow monster trucks, and I know about Widowmaker. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't looked that one up. Uh, we've only got so much time on this uh, episode. We've only got so much time in life, Brandon. Yeah, from, when, from when we're splooged out of the cult gun <laughs> <laughs> to uh, to when we are locked in the uh, in the cabinet of our doom, uh, i.e., a black and white TV. Y- yes, yes, or just a or just a box that's got chains on it, a la Sir Larry. Sir, oh, Sir Larry. Yeah, R.I.P. Jill also comes home with some trapper keepers for the boys for school. Oh God, does she ever! I, this is one of these bits yeah. that I saw as a kid, and re- I didn't remember the whole episode. Yeah, but I definitely remember the bit with the trapper keepers. Oh, interesting! I first of all miss trapper keepers. I am thirty-five. I have no use for them, but I wish I did. You have nothing to trap or keep? Come on, <laughs> <laughs> who has paper anymore? I don't know. You kind of start printing things. At, well, true, you've got a printer right here. You just plug the thing in and start printing all your documents. <laughs> That's my goodwill pile. See, this is why this is why no one has trapper keepers anymore, Landon. You're part of a corrupt culture that disregards the importance of paper. But here's the thing I notice is that okay, Mark goes, Do you have any of the, the did you get the the Terminator ones? And she's like, I got two I don't know if she said she got two Terminator ones, but she's like, I got two here. Well, there's two plain ones. Two plain ones. And then there's a uh, light blue one with a rainbow and a puppy on it that Randy gets. And what I remember, what, what has stuck with me about this, even from seeing it as a child, yeah. is she says, well, these are the ones that I got. And she holds them up, and there's two blank ones and one with the puppy. Yeah. And 
Brad and Mark immediately grab the plane once right. and disappear, and then Randy, who's a little slow on the draw, is, is stuck with the rainbow puppy. Yes. Later. And my note was, this episode is definitely not recorded in 2017. Because <laughs> I feel like that would be the one that goes first. The, the, the one with the, the rainbow and the puppy, yeah. Really? You think so? Oh, yeah. Because, what, a kid would take it ironically? I just, I feel like uh, rainbows and puppies are uh, in vogue nowadays. Yeah? Much more so than 1992. I, I mean, are you saying this because I've got a rainbow and a puppy on my t-shirt? <laughs> this, uh, I am. This was a pure coincidence that I'm make, wearing this. Trying to build your confidence. Oh, well, 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 thank you, thank you. There's also another mention here where when Tim comes home with the tickets that uh, Jill's like, oh, Tim goes, uh, I got tickets to the greatest show in town. <laughs> And Jill's like, you got tickets to Madam Butterfly? <laughs> Which is yet another reference to Madam Butterfly. She really does like Madam Butterfly. Do you think there's one diehard opera fan in the writer's room, like a closet opera fan, who's just been working in all these Madam <laughs> Butterfly references? I think it's um, a bunch of non-operatic fans only having done research on one opera. But that's the one that you <laughs> land on? Are they reverse engineering it from Miss Maybe. Saigon? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I, okay, I want to see a later episode where just an entire episode is the entire cast doing a production of Madame Butterfly. <laughs> uh, I also want to see that. In this scene, this is where uh, they get the phone call from Brad's principal. Oh, man. And when when the phone first rings, Randy and Mark both make jokes about Jenny Sidarsky. Like, oh, yeah. Randy, yeah, yeah. It's Randy your, says it's your girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Mark, Jennifer yeah. is what Mark says. <laughs> Yeah, but like Mark, Mark, this is the first time that I've really seen Mark kind of putting the screws to one of the other boys. Randy's warring off on him, man. This, this is, I think, I think the note that I put down is that Mark has fully entered the house of Randy. Yeah, exactly. And as we learn later in this episode, Randy seems to be assuming Brad's identity. Uh, the talented Mr. Randy. <laughs> uh, at later, well, should we get into it now or do you want to yeah, hold let's up? Get, let's, let's okay, so. Brad's trajectory in this episode, which is the whole crux of this episode, is he gets this phone call, or uh, uh, Jill and Tim get this phone call from his principal saying that Brad had taken a uh, dissected frog from the science lab and snuck it into the cafeteria and placed it underneath um, a piece of lettuce uh, on a dare. Solid, solid, solid bit. Solid bit. Solid dare. And uh, it was to see if this kid at school would eat it, but the principal cut in line, and got the frog instead. Shame on her. <laughs> Don't cut. <laughs> um, so they they kind of ground Brad here. Uh, and, there, and there's some dispute between Tim and Jill, because Tim is very excited to take, like, the, Tim is down to ground Brad, make him come straight yeah. home from school, take away TV privileges, whatever. But when it comes to not letting him go to the monster truck show, Tim has to fight with Jill to, to get concessions on that. Right, exactly. He... He takes her aside. Like, we got to talk for a second. Uh, takes her into the garage, away from Brad, and Jill launches into this uh, thing. But you always do this. You you know, him hearing you say that is like, don't worry, your buddy Dad is gonna take care of things. And I think that's a pretty fair point. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't undermine. Yeah, you got to present a united front. Don't negotiate with terrorists. Yeah. But also, uh, Jill puts him on the spot when she's like, they play this little game show thing. It was like, Tim, what did he win? I really liked that bit. I, I did too as a bit, but in terms of like parenting, um, just asking you to come up with the punishment on the spot, uh, you know, maybe you go 
you're grounded, we'll talk about the terms and let you know. True, true. I think we could do a much better job with these boys. <laughs> Are you saying we should... Adopt uh, three boys <laughs> from the 90s? Uh, I don't think we should adopt them. I think we should have three unplanned pregnancies. I, okay, well, that is going to be difficult. Like that, that, talk, talk about unplanned and unexpected. <laughs> but not impossible. Or is how, it? how do you, how do you reckon it's it's not impossible? Take a lot of a lot of work. Have you been wa- have you been watching Nike commercials again? <laughs> Listen, man, just Im- do it. No, well, if it's a woman, yes, but <laughs> impossible is more than nothing. Actually, <laughs> uh, one thing I do want to mention when uh, after she gets this phone call from uh, uh, the principal, she grabs Brad by the neck, like. Vulcan neck pinches him onto the couch. She is pissed. But he doesn't fall asleep right away. He's, <laughs> I, I, she hasn't honed her procedure the way Spock did. Or maybe he does, and this has all been a dream. Tr- Truthfully, <laughs> I was... <laughs> so, he wakes up from his dream, and then Jill wakes up from her dream, and look who's not talking. Yeah, right. And then Bob Newhart wakes up from his dream, where he's watching TV. Uh, in this episode, I kept waiting... For a moment of, like, 90s era, this is okay, corporal punishment. Like, I was waiting for Brad to get smacked or spanked or something like that. Yeah, uh, I mean, he did call reference to uh, Al being Jack Torrance in the beginning of this episode. Yes. Tim did. And I'm like, oh, man, they're like, he does, he grabs him by the arm a couple times. I'm like, that's, that's scary. Yeah, it's teetering. Yeah, it's, it's on the edge. Uh, uh. Doesn't wind up happening, which I guess good. I mean, they yeah. find well, yeah, they find a constructive solution where they don't have to hit their kids to get what they want. But Brad is really off the rails in this episode. Yeah. Like watching this, I was like, "What happened to that sweet little boy I used to know? He used to be in love like one episode ago. He was just <laughs> right. like he was just canoodling and like, gosh, I don't know if I want to kiss her. And now he's yeah. getting brought home by the cops at one point, which is a little extreme. Um, it is pretty extreme. <laughs> oh, oh, you don't mean that in a good way. Uh, you don't mean not like skateboard tricks? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not uh, it's not gnarly and radical. Yeah, uh, it's just it's like it's, it's definitely a, rude in terms of like proving their point. I feel like this is kind of one of those issues, much like um, for whom the belch tolls, that could have been handled with a little more nuance. Uh, the kind of rite of passage from being a boy into being recognized as your own individual personality and man. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to say just right now, just for a verdict wise, I, I like this episode. Oh, I, I, th- I thought this was good. Yeah. And I thought I actually thought it was pretty touching. Like yeah. there's a moment where the audience goes awe at the end of the episode. And I typically don't like that, but I yeah. actually felt it like. The, oh, really? Yeah. Because uh, I wrote a very specific note here. Yes. That said uh, the audience is taking the mantle of transitions for Truman because you reacted at their reactions so many times. I guess uh, when I, they go ah, and then when uh, they kiss, when Tim and Jill kiss in the last episode. Yeah, okay, maybe I did. I okay, so yeah, I guess I get a little butt hurt whenever an audience makes too much noise about things. <laughs> Let me say, I did think it was heartwarming when they had that moment, even though I was proven to be a liar by the fact that you take like extremely detailed notes on everything I am doing during the show. <laughs> I gotta beat you at poker someday. I well, okay. This is you gotta convince me to play it first. Oh, you gotta have right. to incept me into this. <laughs> um, poker of life is what I meant. Oh, I gotta beat you at life. Oh well, okay. Game on, sir. <laughs> we got really far away from Randy assuming uh, Brad's identity. But yes, we'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, yes, the Brad identity. The br- <laughs> uh, let me also say something. So yeah, please. They uh, they get this call from the principal uh, about. 
Brad's uh, recent rambunctious behavior. Yeah. The, the reason that he put the frog under the lettuce leaf on the plate in the first place is because he was dared to. Right. He was dared to by a boy named George Walker. Mm. Who, Landon, Landon, in, yes. the, in the 90s, uh, who was the son of a prominent individual who was kind of uh, maybe drinking a little too hard, getting into too much trouble... Uh, he had not yet been elected governor of Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, um, uh, George Walker. Uh, let me do some research. Uh, just. My keyboard's not on. Your your keyboard's connected to, it's part of your laptop. I don't know how it's not on. You need to get that checked. <laughs> what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, I think that George W. Bush put, uh, put Brad up to put this. Put Brad up to it? George Walker. They did, maybe they didn't say his last name. Maybe Dude. He look older boys yeah. putting him up to this. George Walker, George W was getting into some shenanigans before yeah. his fortieth birthday when he found God, um, <laughs> and also you know maybe he's undercover in a in a, in school. What's uh, George Bush doing in Michigan? Well, you know, look, look, a lot was made of George W Bush's Texan identity, but he was born in <laughs> Kennebunkport, Maine. So all I'm saying Uh-oh. is maybe he had some formative years in Michigan oh, along maybe. the way. Michigan is if you draw a straight line from Maine to Texas, Michigan. Flat in the middle of it. I promise <laughs> or you. is it uh, creates like a Illuminati triangle? Yeah. Well, if you connect, if you connect all of the dots. <laughs> well, here's my theory: the two older boys who put uh, Brad up to throwing bricks, uh, quote unquote, over. <laughs> Thanks, Quobot. Plug yourself back in there, boy. <laughs> uh, over the greenhouse, thus through the greenhouse. Yes. Uh, which is why he gets brought home from the cops. My theory is that the two boys are Bob and Stinky. <sighs> You're right. That would make sense. Bob and Bob and Stinky have grown up and you know, now they've moved on past just park shenanigans to full on uh, <laughs> rabble rousing and roughhousing. Yeah. Well, they could have been rabble rousing and roughhousing at the park because they were going to play Blade Warriors with them. True. True. Now they're playing Brick Warriors instead. Yeah. My question now if you want to start to weave this all together, did George W. Bush ever have the nickname Stinky? Well, I do know that his nickname for Carl Rove was... No, it wasn't Stink Blossom, it was Turd Blossom. Never mind. <laughs> well, hey, he is a fan of nicknames. True. Okay, I think this is good. Ooh. George W. Bush is the ringleader of this group of kids. I'm pict- I I know that in the 90s he was probably in his like mid-30s, but I'm just picturing like a <laughs> 17-year-old George W. Bush who's like Matthew McConaughey in Dazed and Confused. <laughs> yeah. Who kind of hangs out by his muscle car and is like, hey, hey, th- throw that throw that brick to that greenhouse. This is, I'm George W. Bush. This is what I sound like. This is <laughs> this is perfect impression. Uh, I used to actually have a pretty good one. Um, it'll take me a second to get it. No, I can't do it right now. Oh, come on, I, man. I know. I, I, I'll, come on. I'll come work on. Up. Do it. Do it. Bush, 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 Bush. Uh, Hey, Brad. <laughs> no, no, keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> All right, no, sorry, I was just cracking up. All right. Hey, Brad, why don't you, why don't you throw that, that brick through that, that greenhouse window? What, what, when the window shadows, it'll make a, uh, a thousand points of light. <laughs> That's his father. It, it, all white guys look the same. I can't Read tell them apart. my hips. <laughs> the last episode of Home Improvement is the only one that'll be named that. Oh, my God. We have gone down a spiral here. But it's great, because all these jokes are hilarious. <laughs> You're so good. Um, okay, back on back, on, back track. on track. Back on track. Brad gets brought home by the police, a policewoman. The scene that precedes this, Tim and Jill uh, hash out how they're going to punish 
uh, Brad. And oh, yeah, he's deciding in the garage. We're going to ground him. He, we're, we will let him go to the uh, monster truck show, but there's going to be all these other punishments on top of it, and we won't let him do any of these other things. And so they, they figure this out. They're on the same page. So Tim and Jill go back into the house, uh, and then the screen turns uh, green, condenses into the shape of a frog, jumps into the next scene. Yes. Somehow is. I don't know what happened to me that I'm not as bothered by this. Because it didn't take 15 seconds, maybe? True, true, yeah. Like, <laughs> I watched it, it jumps, and like the next scene is in the living room, and it jumps over behind the couch, and I was waiting to see it then go jumping yeah. through the entire house. It also didn't take you by surprise, because you did say, transition, right before it happened. I, cu- I could smell it coming. Like, they, they're walking, like, they, they do a joke, they're walking out of the garage, and, uh, you know, my, my, my old war injury and my legs started aching, <laughs> and I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but so yeah go into that and then it's night at the taylor household knock at the door and yep. they open it and it's brad being brought home by a cop so right. so brad being real unruly here yeah it's so th- we we go straight from brad getting grounded for one thing to brad having having snuck out when they thought he was still home to throw bricks at a greenhouse <laughs> uh yeah which was a like where's the middle part of that yeah i i mean i never I never in life got brought home by the cops. Although, given that I've spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about marching band speech team and Dungeons and Dragons, that shouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> but I'm just saying, for a guy who's who's antsy about having his first kiss with a girl, yeah, to then be causing this much uh, chaos and destruction across town and getting brought home by the police, that's pretty big. Uh, I would say also probably pretty typical of most... Uh, Emotionally repressed uh, Midwestern men. Maybe so. Did you ever get brought home by the cops? Uh, I didn't. That doesn't mean I didn't do anything that I should have been, though. Yeah. So you just so you were really better at it. You never got caught. Not not particularly. Uh, I remember once I got roped into driving around with my friend, who was kind of a bad influence, uh, around the neighborhood, a few neighborhoods, and he was driving and wanted me to shoot his paintball gun out the window at the mailboxes as we drove by. That. I mean, why wouldn't he be shooting it? It's his paintball gun. Uh, true. I don't know. He wanted to live vicariously through me, uh, have uh, plausible deniability. It was a frame job. Yeah, frame it could have been. Because the next day, one of the other kids in class approached me and was like, listen, you got ratted out. <laughs> Shit. I just got my... We're going to tell on you. My mom is going to go to your parents if you don't buy us a new mailbox. My heart just like that. I like I got I got so scared for you in that moment. How much do mailboxes cost? <laughs> At the time, I think uh, I don't know. I probably threw them twenty five bucks, fifty bucks. I don't know. Was did you get twenty five dollars worth of fun of shooting that paintball gun at uh, mailboxes? No, man. I mean, I didn't want to do that. He was just my friend and said, "Hey, get in my car." And then the paintball gun was lying there. He was really going through the rights and wrongs of passage uh, more than I was, and I was just along for the ride. This is, I think, what Randy is going to do when he gets to that age. He's going to orchestrate situations where other people get in trouble. <laughs> he randied he... me. I got randied. Yeah, d- maybe don't say that so loud. But I got. <laughs> I it made I got extremely extremely randy in the car with my friend. <laughs> uh... It happens. So yeah, he gets brought home by the police. Yeah. Tim and Jill are furious, and uh, then we get a, you know, they send him to his room, and he, well, no, they, they t- yeah, Tim tells him, you're not going to the monster truck show, I stuck my neck out for you, now you're not going, and Brad gets very upset about yeah. that. As though That's he, the first, uh, the manhandling. 
action scene. We yeah. Because Brad, like, collapses on the couch in a fit of uh, angst. Yes. And uh, he starts mouthing off to Tim, and Tim, like, grabs him by the arm and, like, throws him up to his bedroom. Yeah. Ch- he chucks him through the ceiling. <laughs> Tim has built a special compartment in the ceiling to throw the boys through. It's just a tube of... <laughs> And this is, he's practicing for the caber toss anyway, so he just picks him up, <laughs> exactly. hoists him through there. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and from that, a brick comes flying at the screen yep. and shatters us into the next uh, in the next scene. On location. Yes. Our, not our first exterior on location, but this, this whole oh, thing. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. This isn't, this isn't the festival yet. Oh, uh, The right, next yeah. day, this is where Tim comes down in the kilt. Ah, yeah, And yeah, we yeah. have 15 minutes of kilt jokes. And I was worried, up until this moment, so the cold open for the show sets up Scottish Highland Games, yep. caber tossing. And then the next, you know, after the opening credits, Tim comes home with the tickets to the motor, uh, to the uh, monster truck show. Yeah. And I honestly thought, wait, did they just, is the cold open just a one-off thing to get a bunch of jokes about kilts? So I was, <laughs> and I think that in season one, they might yeah. have pulled that. They might have just have, had a yeah. rando thing. So I was, I was just thankful that this joke got paid off. Yeah. Uh, not in the best way, but at least it didn't leave you uh, unsatiated. Yeah, at least it didn't leave me with my uh, with my uh, nuts flapping in the breeze under my kilt. <laughs> uh, you're supposed to wear underwear with those, as we as we learn. As we learn, I feel like it's kind of clear that you're supposed to, and Tim just overlooked that clue. Yeah, uh, both Tim Taylor and Tim Allen. Yes, uh, as we learn in the outtakes, which I want to save. For yeah, the end. yeah, we got that. That is really what we want to leave people with <laughs> at the end of the show to yes. think about. So. Brad is outside raking leaves. As yeah, this is where, where Randy's kind of assuming his identity because yeah. Randy's out there kind of harassing Brad, holding uh, holding Brad's sports ball. Yes. <laughs> which, which is a toy and yeah. not something else. The Binford sports ball. Yes. Uh, in the shape of a football. Yeah, but it's not a, but it's not a football. It's a sports ball. It's a sports ball. And he's also wearing a Picasso shirt. I couldn't quite... It was a bizarre, abstract... Uh, art t-shirt. He must be a fan of Picasso's stand-up work. <laughs> That's right. But this is where he's like pushing Brad a bit and uh, he he plays this weird mind game with him where he's like I guess I'm uh, the good kid now. He, he says, thank you. Now you're the evil son and I'm the good son. <laughs> Which is... You almost think that Randy orchestrated all of these shenanigans to, to put him around like your friend in, in, in high school. Indeed. I, I want to play a game with someone Next time we have a guest, or the first the time ne- we have the a first guest. time we have a guest, uh, we should play um, serial killer or Randy and read lines from serial killers and read lines from Randy and see which one is uh, which one they guess. I wholeheartedly support this. So anybody out there who's hoping to be a guest, study up or don't <laughs> to make it better for the show. <laughs> Study up on your uh, serial killer quotes. Well, I mean, unless you're like me and you spent a lot of time in high school reading about serial killer facts on the court TV <laughs> crime library, in which case I already know a lot of serial killer quotes. Ah, no, it is one. Uh, so it was Ed Gein from Wisconsin who once said, when a lot of people see a pretty girl, uh, they want to take her out to the movies and buy her dinner. When I see a pretty girl, I picture her skin as a lampshade. Are you sure that's not Randy? Just kidding. That was him at the People's Choice Awards. <laughs> In 1995, accepting this award for favorite on-screen performance in a sitcom. It was a really weird acceptance speech, but the funny thing is he got even more fan mail from girls after that. Oh my god. Oh, that's ridiculous. Um, So yeah, he he says this incredibly creepy evil thing and says, who do you think they would believe if I threw this football, uh, this sports ball, into Wilson's yard and broke his window? Uh, The good son or the bad son? 
And he, and he says, I'm not the one with a criminal record who got brought home by a woman cop. Because That's right. Let's, let's mention the cop who brings uh, Brad home is a woman. Yeah, played by Virginia Watson. You look up everything. There's no stone. Uh, you know what? I have uh, a heart for all of the the you know no no parts too small. Okay, what? Uh, that's what she said. What? Uh, <laughs> what else has Virginia Watson been in? Uh, she hasn't done a lot of big stuff. I mean, I feel like they pulled out the big guns for season one with these uh, bit players. Uh, this one, she was uh, Lock Dog's mom and Don't Be a Menace to Society while drinking orange juice. Uh, blah 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 blah. That super long title. In the Hood, yeah. Uh, yeah. In the Hood. Uh, she was also an anchor woman on Virtuosity. Ah, Virtuosity. The show that I'd never heard of until now. Uh, <laughs> the, the movie with uh, Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe. Oh, I still had not. Uh, Virtuosity? You need to watch Virtuosity. What's Virtuosity? Virtuosity is Russell Crowe plays an amalgam of every serial killer uh, in a VR program brought to reality and denzel washington plays a cop whose family was killed by a serial killer tasked with stopping russell crowe from killing uh or i don't know what his intention is in that but uh yeah that's that's the gist of that movie a that sounds awesome b B is uh russell crowe actually played by randy in that movie (laughs) (laughs) he's one of the many uh personalities inside that's the one that really gives him all of his darkest <laughs> yes. the, the rage in, in, uh, there is so strong exactly yeah, so yeah randy is razzing brad and then uh, they wind up getting into a fight which tim comes out to break up wearing his kilt yes and randy has a really great line the, the, you you sir I i'm want, so I bad at these i butcher every line i try to do but i'll do it anyway uh brad uh, tim comes out as a wrestling and uh he goes hey what do you do stop it all stop it all Stop See, it all. Stop it all. Stop all of what you're doing. Stop 100% of these shenanigans. <laughs> and Randy goes, hey, mom, where's dad? Well, we're good at exactly one thing. It's not making a podcast. It's making a fart noise at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That should be our new theme music. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so they, they scamper off. Uh, Tim sends them away. It's and, good imagery. Uh, he then speaks to Wilson. Who happens to be out back here? Yes. Um, and, and as he's trying to speak to Wilson, he's ha- he has a seat in one of the chairs out back, and just spends uh, about about sixty nine hours trying to like <laughs> cross his legs primly to keep from giving an upskirt view, which he does anyway. Yeah. Um, more more kilt jokes. Yeah, just to the audience's delight, they yes. are eating that with a spoon. They, they love it so they much. They really are. Uh, which maybe it came after um, the outtake that we saw. Which would give more context to why they were so into it, um, but we'll get to that in due time. This is this is how we keep you hooked in season two. <laughs> we give teasers about something at the end of the episode, so you just can't look away. It's very very Shonda Rhimes kind of constant plot twists, cliffhangers. Uh, I so he's talking to Wilson about um, Brad's uh, kind of uh, impetuousness, and Wilson gives him some advice. I, the, I was really distracted through this whole scene because I just thought that. In Tim's kilt, in his little ensemble, I was wondering if Wilson made his uh, sporan for him or not. Oh, the <laughs> thing that he, the, yeah, the, 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 the animal pelt that hangs. Yeah. The hairy thing that hangs right in front of your nutsack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that seems like, he probably would have made it out of the neighbor's cat. That seems like a Wilson. Exactly. Move. There you go. Uh, sorry, Fluffy. It was a catch and release, uh, but then another catch, and <laughs> I released you without your skin. <laughs> that got dark. Is that a Wilson quote or a Randy quote? <laughs> 
And so I don't remember much of the advice given uh, in this oh, bit. I was very... Everything left my brain the second they started duetting together. True. Uh, I can I can tell you the advice that was given. Please. Uh, Wilson explains to Tim that, uh, yeah, Brandy is trying to cross the threshold into manhood by any means possible. In tribal societies, when boys first begin to show signs of manhood, they're inducted among the males by any means possible, or as soon as possible. Uh, in our industrial society, we don't have these rituals prolonging adolescence and creating confusion for the child and the parents. I think that advice holds true, because I still feel like an adolescent. Yes, as do I. As do I. Yeah. Tim goes, well, god dang, you usually give me uh <laughs> God dang it, Wilson. <laughs> Wilson, dang it. That uh, boy ain't right. He, you usually Mommy? give me uh you tell me what to do. You give me, like, very specific advice, and now I don't know, I still don't know what the hell to do here. Uh, you usually make me feel better. <laughs> and Wilson goes, and I thought this was going to be some sort of godly thing. Yeah. Just, Wilson goes, put your hands up on the fence. <laughs> he does, and then Wilson... I love that we're both mimicking puts his this hands right on now. His, Wilson puts, gotta videotape these. Wilson puts his hands over Tim's hands on top of the fence and just starts singing Kumbaya me. No, Kumbaya, my neighbor, Kumbaya. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and, but, and so Tim just stands there looking profoundly uncomfortable and then says, uh, Hey, Wilson, uh, yeah, neighbor, do you know, and I'm trying to remember what other song they sing. Do you know Michael Rose's book? Go yeah. to shore, <laughs> and then they all start singing. Yeah, and they both and they both harmonize together. And I I like that moment because the show is not afraid to be totally weird. Yeah, not afraid to just be zany as hell. Exactly. And uh, also, I'm wondering if Earl Hinman uh, requested in his season two contract uh, renegotiating. It's like I got to sing in every episode and dance. <laughs> like you got season three, we got to look forward to that. You can't see it beneath the fence, but he is doing a, a mighty soft shoe. <laughs> Uh, and he also is not wearing pants. He's wearing a kilt. That was a, that was actually how I think they how they signed Earl Hindman. It was like, look, <laughs> they can't see your face, yes, but you'd never have to wear pants on set. And to work without wearing pants, oh my is god, the I would do state of life. any job that offered me that. Um, that scene takes us into the Scottish festival. Oh, the Scottish festival. This was a very bizarre scene. It really threw me through a loop. The first thing that I thought. Uh, when I saw them, and the note that I took was Highland Games, more like games off of Highland Avenue, because they clearly shot this at a park in L.A. <laughs> I, I hope at least one of our listeners lives in L.A., so someone is laughing at this. Uh, I just did. Do there I not go. count? Well, you. I mean, yeah, no, you count. You're a listener. <laughs> Speaking of counts, let's pause for the grunt count. I mean, that's a really good segue. Uh, <laughs> let's see, the grunt count is... Can I guess? Yeah. I do... I. I was thinking that they were going to go in a very low direction again, but I'm going to say that we are at our magic number. I think we hit seven grunts in this episode. You're so close. Oh, no! I wanted to be flawless. I had it right on last week. Landon, you are flawless. Oh, Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Thank you. Uh, no, there were nine grunts nine. in this episode. Okay. All of them clearly delineated. Tim just, yes. like, just doing it right. I mean, we're back on track. For total... Tim, you're doing it right. <laughs> Finally. If you can get one thing right, it's grunting. <laughs> so for a series total of 369 grunts. Ah, all right. And that's the last we're going to say of that until our season two spectacular. Wait, really? Maybe. Okay. I don't know. I didn't know if we were going to drop off like halfway through or something. Um, no. No? Why that's not? It. Okay, yeah, screw Let's it. Let's make that never enough. Yeah, maybe we'll even cut this whole segment out. We got to give him the grunt count. Well, yeah, I know. There'll just be a conspicuous silence in there. 
no, there's no really good edit points. Yeah. So anyway, that is that is the grunt count. But I'm going to tell you what threw me through a loop uh, almost immediately. First of all, we see Al's car, which is a station wagon, an '84 Mercury Marquis, which he takes care of, perfect care. Yes. Um, here's what really threw me through a loop. Al isn't wearing a flannel. You're, that was, something seemed weird about that. Kilty's wearing his plaid. <laughs> true. It's very true. Uh, and I did make that note later once we once he gets out of the car. You know why he didn't wear flannel? Because you can't do flannel on flannel. It's clashing. It's too hey, much. He did for his date with Greta Post. He wore a flannel tie, a plaid flannel tie on a flat flat flannel. Flat flannel. <laughs> Is that some kind of Viking king or something? <laughs> flat flannel raping and pillaging across oh Greenland. God. Okay, so they pull up. To the Scottish Highland Games, this is immediately kind of disconcerting to just see, you know, this is not three camera setup anymore. This is single camera setup. Yeah. This is them outside. There's crane shots of this park where there's the, la- the laugh track on location to really made it feel like a European uh, sitcom. All of yeah. A are you being served or, or you know, uh, <laughs> Benny Hill or yeah. uh, Faulty Towers or something? It, well, it gets Benny Hill-esque by the end. If they yeah. sped that up and put the music behind it. <laughs> this is a little yakety sex. <laughs> uh, but so for all the promotion of all oh, the Highland Games and all we're showing up for charity and we're getting, like that was the whole thing that the reason they had Angus on the show in the first place is because they're Tim and Al are going to the Highland Games for some literacy sponsorship charitable thing. thing. Yeah, right. We actually see the Highland Games and it consists of basically uh, six women Highland dancing in a circle, a bunch of sheep running around. And a few dudes who look like Angus uh, throwing cables. Strongman competition. Yeah, yeah. And it's, there's literally no patrons. Yeah, there's nobody there. I, so why did Tim? Like, it's not like they're in front of a crowd. It's not yeah. like they're soliciting donations. And they also just drive up and park his car <laughs> right in the middle of it. There's no I parking know. area. Actually, I was trying to look at the filming locations for this. I do. I can't verify, obviously, but it looks suspiciously like a park in Cheviot Hills right down the street from us right now. Dude, we got to do we got to do our season finale episode on location in that park. <laughs> uh, I will not commit to that, but I like that idea. We just have to buy a generator and tell everyone around there to not make noise while we podcast. There you go. It would be uh, probably a lot cooler than it is in your in your apartment right now. <laughs> also, on the way in, as they're driving in, so we're coming straight from Tim having uh, all of this all of this drama with Brad. Like, yeah. when, when, like in the previous scene in the backyard after Brad and Randy fight. Uh, Tim tries to make amends with Brad, but Brad just, you know, he's saying like, oh, you know, we can work on the hot rod together. And Brad's like, I don't care about your stupid hot rod. And and he leaves. And that's what prompts his conversation with Wilson. So we come off of this, like, Tim's home life is in a lot of chaos right now. He's in the car with Al driving up to the Highland Games. There's these shots of them in the car, and Tim's saying like, wow, this car, this car runs really well. It's purring like a kid. And he's talking about it, and Wilson's, uh, Wilson, Al is saying like, oh, I I get him confused. Yeah. I, cr- I chrome plated the this and that, and I re I resealed the this thing, and and just talking all about how he how he keeps the car in pristine condition. And Tim says, "I never knew you were really into cars, Al." And Al goes, "Well, he never asked." <clears throat> and I was thinking, is the way that this episode is going to go is is like Al going to become the son who Tim never had? Is, <laughs> is Tim going to like induct Al into manhood? Like, is, I, I really thought that this was kind of a kind of kindling for like this new deeper relationship between the two of yeah, them. Yeah, there you know. Their relationship, I know I made this joke already, but their relationship does feel like a dubstep song waiting for the beat to drop. I mean, it feels, there's this tension between them that just keeps building, and there's this weird friction, and I'm like, just waiting for that turning point when they just become friends. And we just all break out the glow sticks. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, it seems like they can't keep up this degree of hostility on yeah. set for, for this long. I mean, it still seems like they're still getting to know each other even after all this time. Yeah, exactly, which begs the question of how long has Al been on Tool Time? So they get to the games, they get out of the car, Tim sees how big the cavers are and has some second thoughts, but he also is Tim, so he goes ahead and hoists the caber and tries to toss it, Yeah. Uh, but... You know, just carrying the thing around. I mean, this long-ass log. Yeah. And so he lifts it up and is so off-balance that he winds up running all over the place in what could be a Benny Hill scene. It's this yeah. long crane shot of Tim picking up the caber and, like, trying not to fall over. He runs right <laughs> through the middle of all the girls' highland dancing, and they scatter. And then he runs through the middle of all the sheep, and they yeah. scatter. Let me let me pull up my... Uh, I have my home improvement notes in front of me, but let me pull up my Truman watching home improvement notes here. Yes. Uh, you were legitimately concerned at that moment. You went, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the second he like lost balance, yes, I because I thought that uh, I thought that the scene was written for Tim to do it perfectly, and that this was just a, a <laughs> grievous, terrible thing that happened. It's like in the Crow when they accidentally killed uh, Bruce Lee's son, yeah, Brandon Lee, and uh, yeah, yeah. So I thought that that was it, and they just left it on screen. <laughs> uh, no, but really, what. The real reason I said, oh, no, is because I was so psyched about how proud Al was of his car, and I thought that Tim <laughs> was going... I thought that the car was going to get ruined far worse than it does. Ah, yes. But, t- yeah, Tim, in in the process of doing this, accidentally tosses the caber clear through the two rear windows yeah. of Al's car. And Al seems hurt, but it's like, honestly, you can replace the... I mean, Tim will pay for it. You replace the two rear windows. No, we don't know that for sure. No, I think so, Landon. He's trying <laughs> to instill... Uh, responsibility in his son also Fair. you look at you look at tim's uh, kind of conservative take responsibility for yourself ethos yeah. he, he's gonna know. own up to that as far as his responsibility and uh whatever with tool time and binford i would wager that he would try to get uh binford to pay for it it might fall under production insurance because they are doing what is presumably a sponsored uh, appearance even yeah. though it's for charity and what's binford paying four million dollars a year in insurance for tim if not to replace <laughs> Two car windows on on a cherried out eighty four marquee <laughs> wagon. There you go. Uh, so that's that's how the Highland Games wraps yeah. up. But I, I have one lingering question here. Yes, about Al Station Wagon. He's driving a station wagon, a single man, always wanting a family. Do you think that this is indicative of the life that he he's trying to like uh, morphic field, you know, manifest destiny? Like, if I buy a station wagon and I take extremely good care of it, someday it would be filled with a family. Well, and then what Al says in the episode is that uh, the car belonged to his mother and she wanted something safe to carry him around in. And he has just uh, oh. on to it ever since. So I think this plays more into Al being a mama's boy. So she carried him around when he was 20-something? Uh, maybe I don't. I don't know. Look, it was his mom's car. That's what I know. Yeah, he drives his mom's station wagon. Hmm. Okay. Well, uh, there's some weird stuff there. To there's unpack. some weird stuff in Al's relationship with his mom. You think? <laughs> Do you think she made him ride it in the car seat uh, when he was twenty? Uh, most likely, <laughs> yes. She had to order specially. Actually, I think that's how he got into. Uh, being a handyman in the first place was he had to build his own adult-sized car seat at his mother's <laughs> insistence. It's really Bates Motel over oh there. Oh, my God. I don't like the idea of uh, of Al being a serial killer. Uh, no, I don't. We've, already, we've got enough serial killers on this show I as know. it is. 
this this podcast is turning into a true crime podcast with how much we talk about Randy's serial killing and Robert Durst. It's true. Anyway, we go into from the festival to probably the most uh, pivotal scene in this episode. I would argue the series so far because this is the episode where Tim and uh, Brad are in the garage. Uh, Jill has taken Randy and Mark and presumably Billy, Mark's friend, yeah. to the monster truck rally. Um, in lieu of Tim and Brad going. And they're working on the hot rod. <clears throat> Tim pinches his finger in a vice and uh, calls back to something that's mentioned earlier in the episode of Tim not allowing Brad to uh, use the welding, um, not the welder, the, the blowtorch, blow yeah. to, to cut the, the... It's the opposite of the flamethrower from, from last, last episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although it would be not... I wouldn't put it past Tim to at some point go... We can cut metal even faster with a flamethrower than with a blowtorch. And I wouldn't put it past Jill to use the blowtorch to caramelize the sugar on top of a creme brulee. <laughs> but when can we use a flamethrower to uh, caramelize the world's largest creme brulee? Uh, as soon as possible. That's what we should do for the end of the season in that part. Just, oh my god. I would be... God, we'd need a lot of people to eat that because that is some rich-ass dessert food. <laughs> or just me. Rich ass in that it's usually expensive and it's also bad for your teeth. Yeah, and just just too too much, just too sweet. But <laughs> honestly, you could swim in that creme brulee or just go ice skating on top of it if it's large enough. <laughs> Leave us to do goofers on uh, the most touching scene of this episode. Leave us to do goofers about about gourmet desserts on the what is definitely not the Frasier podcast. <laughs> Seriously, Frasier and I will be cracking up if they listen to this show. Please continue. <laughs> um... So, yeah, earlier in the episode, Brad wanted to use the blowtorch, and Tim said, no, it's it's a man's tool, you know, you're going to hurt yourself blow, you know, uh, burn you're gonna down. Hurt, you're going to hurt yourself blowing. <laughs> you're going to burn down the house. Randy makes a fireman joke, uh, which is actually pretty pretty funny. Um, but in this scene, Tim, Tim pinches his finger in the vice, and he's like, God, I can't do this now. Um, Brad's like, why don't you let me do it? And he's like, no, 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 it's a, it's a man's tool. And then Brad gets all mopey, like, God, you never listen Never let me be an adult. Never. I'm doing Brad's inner what, monologue. What? Well, is, is Brad in the room right now? I got goosebumps. It's <laughs> my Brad impression. <gasps> Never let me do. <laughs> he's he's an old man, scratchy old man. <laughs> Where? Yes, dang damn it, Dad! You never let me do the dang blowtorch. <laughs> now, Brad, you see what you got to do to get your father's respect? <laughs> got to invade another country. But uh, Tim recognizes. Oh, this is the initiate initiation moment. Uh, and he like coaches Brad through it, and and so I'm gonna pull the slot machine to make sure I get this right. Okay. Taryn. Ding. Noah. Ding. Smith. Ding. That's that's Brad. That is Mark. You lose. What sound does a slot machine make when you lose? It just goes. It just it goes. Fuck you. Give me more money. Yeah. Well. Okay. Zachary. Ty. Brian. Yes, yes, oh, quarters, oh, wait, they're all poker chips, oh, God, it's only two, this casino sucks. Uh, Zachary you, didn't Ty, the, you didn't get the three cherries, the Jonathan Taylor Johnson. <laughs> that's, that's true, that's true, all the ladies would agree he's three cherries. <laughs> uh, so, Zachary Ty Bryan actually welds mm-hmm. on set, they're really, he really uses a blowtorch, yeah. this child actor actually cuts through a thing on set, which is a pretty cool moment, yeah, I, I like that. The audience, you and the audience both, because they applaud him. In what I assumed was a standing ovation. And do, your, and do your Truman notes show that I stood up and applauded too? <laughs> if you got that in the bar graph of my reactions. <laughs> I'm going to make a gif of you doing this. 
have you been videotaping all of this? <laughs> but this is like what the the whole show is kind of uh, talking about since the, it's, its inception is men initiating men into manhood. Yeah, and this is the first like real example of that. I feel like. Yeah, and they give it its due diligence. It's it's treated really well, and I think and again it really speaks to Tim Allen's acting because he. I really felt something for the way that he and Brad are interacting. Like yeah. After he cuts through it, you know, he drizzles the, the oil on him, say, hey, I'm talking about, oh, you are now the man-child. Yeah. And there's something to be said for the fact that Tim, who is a man-child in many ways, is yes. now calling his son a man-child. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, yeah, then they start, like, wrestling around, and it ends in this, like, touching hug. They, they like, they're kind of slap-fighting, and yeah. Tim's, like, giving him crap out, like, hey, fight like a girl. I have a girl this whole time, and yeah. just disguises a guy. And they slap fight, and then and then basically just come in for a really tight hug, yeah. and the audience goes ah. But I was like, that's really sweet. Yeah. Like I really bought Tim Allen in yeah. this moment as this kid's dad. I'm going to give you another layer to this. Uh, great. Do you think he actually pinched his finger in the vice? That you know what from the from the jump, I I thought that oh no, he's he faked pinching his finger, and this was all a setup to yeah. to do this thing. But it seems to only occur to Tim halfway through. That's all part of the act. Because he does so many intricate things with his fingers post-vice uh, pinch. True. He gets the oil from the can. He does the slap fight. He ends up in a hug. He's in literally no pain. You don't need finger dexterity to hug someone, Landon. I don't know how you're doing it. <laughs> it's not like... It's it's not it's not like you need to like use your trigger finger when you wrap your arm around someone. Listen, I do this like little finger massage on people's backs when this, I give them. This a is hug. why people don't hug you, isn't it? That's <laughs> why very specific people hug me. <laughs> yeah, creepy dudes behind the railroad depot or something. <laughs> I get knocks on the door like, hey, I'm here for my hug. <laughs> you're you're a creepy hug dealer? You like play their yes. spine like it's a guitar? Uh, my name is Stinky. Anyway. <laughs> See you next week, folks. Yeah. That, I think we need to develop catchphrases in the course of the show, and my name is Stinky could be... <laughs> one of us should take that. We'll do rock, paper, scissors. It could apply right. both ways. Yeah, so that was a very touching moment, and um, now I want to bring into question... Yeah. The bloops? No, not quite yet. Oh, we're not to the bloops? Okay. We're, we're, we're to the... Uh, they come home from the, oh, yeah. uh, the Monster Truck Rally. Clearly no one's ever been... To a monster truck rally on this show. So Tim has stayed home with Brad while Jill has taken uh, Mark and Randy yeah. to the monster truck show. And they come home filthy. Covered in dirt. Were they driving the trucks? They, okay, Tim did say front row seats. And there is okay. mud at monster truck shows. There, I mean, it's loud, so I get Jill's un- inability to hear what Tim is asking her. Yeah. Which is kind of a funny joke. But... They are, all three of them, just covered in oil and dust and mud and gook. It's like, it's as though you sat in the splash zone at SeaWorld, but instead of Shamu, it's a monster truck, and instead of water, it's mud. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. As someone who has been to a monster truck rally, granted it wasn't front row seat, it was uh, nosebleed seats. Oh Um, man, that's a shame. I know, I only came back with blood on my shirt. How did you get blood on your shirt? My nose blood. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, and then that's all we got for that scene, and as far as I have. No, well, that's it, but then, the bloops. Oh, for God's sake. we got to talk I, about this. I already bloop. blocked these out of my head. You blocked this bloop. So, there's a certain movement happening in Hollywood at the moment. Apparently, and this is news to us, apparently it's not okay to make lewd sexual advances towards women in a profe- who are just, you know... What? 
I know, right? Who could who could have guessed? Who yeah. could have guessed this? I'm look, like me and Landon, we're both old fashioned. We grew up in the nineties when <laughs> guys would drink rye whiskey at lunch and smack their their secretaries on the butt and <laughs> and you know invite women up to their yeah. hotel room and ask them to give them erotic massages. And I and, grew up partly in the eighties where everyone was doing coke as well. Yeah, and you know, and 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 everyone agreed the women were all fine with it. They were like, yeah, treat us like property. We love this. <laughs> Now, apparently, not okay. Yeah. How these times have changed. Which brings us to the bloops. The bloopers, yeah. This is... Ugh. So, okay, so what they show is just sort of an... Yeah, it's the scene... It's an outtake. Yeah, it's an outtake from when Tim first comes downstairs in his kilt and is first talking to Jill. I think the line that happens when, when you know, she first sees him in the kilt is like, Oh, you, you know, uh, oh, you make it work. You've really got the legs for it. Uh, I wish, I wish it was a little bit shorter. And then long silence, and then they both say, the kilt, as yeah. opposed to, like, his dick. Uh, so, this this outtake... <laughs> Thanks for explaining that joke. I don't know. I don't know how clear it was. It <laughs> took me... You had to explain it to me. I don't know if that's in your notes. <laughs> but so they're standing there, then, in this blooper. Tim just raises the kilt and flashes Patricia Richardson, and we don't see below the waist. Right. But Patricia Richardson looks down there, sees something, and just kind of freaks like you know he's clearly not wearing underwear she she recoils and is like laughing and like runs away from him and everyone on all the audience just goes nuts and is screaming and cheering yeah, and they laughing go ape shit and and i mean clearly that had to be visible to them too or at least a big portion of them yeah i mean well he turns kind of sideways so i imagine he's cheating his most of his dick away from the audience but they probably got some side dick <laughs> which is which is actually you know one of the most tasteful sides of the dick to to get on camera uh so and then and then as she's going as she's walking away, Tim turns around and flashes his ass at yeah, her. Yeah, he moves well. her in a producer. Yeah. Do you want to describe what happens next? Take take it take it away. Uh, so the camera then pushes close on Patricia Richardson's face as she's walking away from this situation. She's kind of shaking her head and kind of laughing, and then. All of a sudden, this really emotional music, like kind of like the the more you know yeah, song, exactly from like, NBC. Da, 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 da. And and this these text fades on screen. It says, "Dedicated to the memory of Raymond T. Hughes." <laughs> so, a lot to unpack in that last moment there. Ah, man, I, it broke me a little bit. It broke both of us. We had to talk. Yeah, we had to rewatch it. So. Basically, Tim Allen has shown, to the best of our knowledge, Tim Allen has shown his genitalia to a female co-worker and numerous women on the staff. Yeah. And and male, for that matter. Yeah, men don't want to see that either, unless they do. I mean, I have academic interest. <laughs> Still, maybe not the best idea to flash your dick at work. Yeah, but I mean, I guess... Whatever the context, and to whoever it is. I mean, they've been, they've been doing it for a season, so I guess they all felt comfortable together. Patricia Richardson... We've been doing this for a season. I'm not going to flash my dick at you. Uh, okay, well then I can't stand up for a second. Uh, I had a surprise <laughs> planned. So it's weird enough that you're showing this to people, but that then you choose this moment where the punchline is, ha ha ha, he showed his dick to to one of the actresses on the show. You use this to dedicate the episode to somebody else? Yeah, it, I mean, it just throws me through so many loops. Uh, and it's almost like, I feel like... Such a, almost a distraction tactic at the end where it's just like, huh, oh my god, are you, is this sexual harassment? Yeah. Oh, it's in loving memory of someone who passed. So do you know who Raymond T. Hughes is? Did you look this up? I tried to. The only thing I was able to find is that um, the same week as this episode aired, 
the Larry Sanders show also dedicated a memory to him. Maybe maybe Raymond T. Hughes was a prolific flasher. I... <laughs> And, and, and that episode of the Larry Sanders show, Gary Shandling actually flashes the whole cast afterwards as well. <laughs> oh, it's all in tribute. Um, yeah, so I'm a little, like, uh, it left me with a weird taste in my mouth. But also, well, look, look, look. We are making the assumption that Tim Allen, on the set of a Disney show, showed his unclothed cock and balls to everyone on set. He might have just been wearing a Speedo. Maybe, yeah. Or, like, goofy underwear. Still. But, yeah, right, okay. Still, yes, but also, it's a horse of a different color. <laughs> it's a it's a non-nude horse. Yeah, I, I mean, I suppose it's not for us to say what's in good humor, what's not in good humor, what's acceptable amongst people. I, I just want to veer into territory of don't do it ever. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> uh, look, look, folks, hey, hey, Truman here. We have a lot of fun on this podcast. Uh, despite what we said earlier, sexual harassment, it's not okay, so don't do it. Don't show your dick to people unless they've explicitly asked to see it. Uh, or, or if you're a woman, don't show your lady dick to people unless they've asked to see it. <laughs> In loving memory of Raymond T. Hughes. <laughs> Every year we gather on this day to show off our private parts and remember Raymond T. Hughes. Uh, yeah, that was a weird thing to go out on. That yes. was an odd moment for this otherwise touching and heartwarming episode. Agreed. Um... And that left me in, in such confusion that I wrote zero more notes. Yeah, well, no. What was the end of the episodes? I don't know what else you'd be taking notes on, short, yeah. of, short of my reactions as I took notes. <laughs> uh, did we not uh, cover anything that you have that you want to talk about? Uh, everything is covered except Tim's dick and balls. And <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Um, okay, well then, let's uh, leave everybody with that to think about uh the show notes have a great week <laughs> the show notes for this episode and maybe some sexual harassment numbers you can call uh will be posted on our website which is gruntworkpodcast.com you got it man uh there you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter which is the best way to get notified about new episodes uh and other fun things we're doing uh like i'm in a can jam tournament this weekend wait you are <laughs> you didn't uh, tell me and i didn't uh, if you enjoyed this week's episode, which apparently we do because we can't stop talking, uh, please rate and review us. Um, also, share us wherever you can. It really helps others find us. Plus, every time you share us, we'll essentially drizzle motor oil all over you. <laughs> I can't wait. Yes. And we won't show you our dicks. I'm going to share us. Uh, just so you can also follow no, us finish, on all... No, finish your sentence, <laughs> No, bro. I'm not going to. No, I'm finish it. push ahead. Uh, you can also follow us on all the social media places at Grunt Work Pod. Uh, and with that, I guess we'll see you guys next week. See you next week, guys. Hey, and if you've got any ideas for a good sign-off line, write in and let us know. <laughs> Bye.